Welcome, welcome, welcome to the I'm Josh Sand podcast, where applied knowledge is power. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, man. This is going to be really, really dope. We're going to be talking about some really hot topics when it comes to politics. And I have a, I'm talking about a true legend out here. She's a legend in the making. I, I think now she's a legend now. All right. And so we're going to get to her shortly but i just let me go ahead and pay some bills so i'd like to thank our sponsors uh for the i'm josh saying podcast and that is great convo media so make sure you all go to greatconvo.com and subscribe to the i'm josh saying podcast and all the other podcasts on there and it's where the chatter matters also pivot technology school which is a 20-week accelerator teaching data analytics web development and cybersecurity. so if you're looking to get into a career in technology make sure you go to pivottechschool.com and also sylvia johnson real estate so if you're looking to purchase a new home going into 2021 or sell your current home make sure you call 615-476-2883 now that is all out of the way I like to introduce my special guest, man. So uh, I, I don't know how I actually met Tequila, uh, but we met and she is doing so, so many amazing things when it comes to politics and when it comes to really rallying people around voting, around educating them around politics. And she's just an all around dope person. So she is right now the co-founder and co-executive director of equity alliance uh she is the ceo of the equity group which is a strategic consulting firm and also she is the president over what did you say the uh justice league yeah it's a it's a pack that's set up in nashville but i like to introduce the uh, to the i'm josh sand universe tequila johnson the crowd is going wild. The crowd is going wild. Welcome, Tequila. How you doing? I'm doing well, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. Oh man, this is, this is so dope. I like the way you got to set up the music in the beginning. Like, <laughs> I'm just I'm just here for all of your serial entrepreneurial ideas, and and yeah. I'm you know always ready to jump on board whatever you pull out next because I know it's gonna be great. Man, that is so dope. I thank you for just coming on with me, man. We I, I want to jump right in because. Uh, politics have just been like dominating uh, the news. It's, it's been, you know, we was coming out of, a, this has been election season. Uh, so, you know, the Trump and Biden thing, which caused so many divisions. I feel like it, it created so many divisions within the African-American community. To me, it just felt like it was a lot of back and forth when it comes to who, who we going with, Trump, 
of Biden. And I really want to ask, really, uh, just to get your take on that whole election and then really ask you, like, why did you see so many African-American men supporting Trump? Uh, that, 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 I, I really want to talk about that because that that and it caused a controversy in our city because uh, one of the one of one of the biggest you know he's a community leader came out publicly and said he was voting for Trump. Uh, so like talk about that whole election season. Um, I mean, it's just it's one. It's amazing because I'm excited that people are riled up around politics because politics. I think being in the house and being on quarantine, people were able to take a step back and see just how much politics impacts our lives. And so people were riled up. You had everything that happened with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement ramped up. And so it was just a great segue into an election, you know, and a lot of people turned out to vote. Why do I think it was so much division? Um, I think it's because any, like everything else we do, people are not, we say we want freedom. We say we want autonomy. We say we want self-determination, but in actuality, what we want is freedom when it comes to what we do. You know, the community leader that you referenced, um, he works with us. He does a lot of work with us around voting rights restoration. And so for me, getting people to the polls has never been about which part, it's, it's not been about the Democratic Party. It's not been about the Republican Party, it's about us. And so what we have to learn is not all black people are the same. Not all of us think the same. Not all of us want the same things. There are capitalist black people who vote based off of their own personal interests. Right. There are black people who vote because they want to do things on a larger scale for the community. Um, and just to be very transparent, Neither one of them parties gonna save us anyway. We have to save exactly. ourselves. So personally, as a political strategist, I think we need people talking to both sides of the table. We need right. to. There's no other business that you would go into where people would say we all should talk to one person. No, we should be voting as a block, but we should definitely be playing them against each other, so to speak. Yeah, Who's so gonna give us the most power? Compete for the black vote. Okay, uh, now that's, this is another great segue. So why was it so much uh, like that bad energy towards Ice Cube? When it comes to Ice Cube wanting to, you know, I feel like his intentions were pure when it comes to wanting to develop a plan for Black America. Now, I think we get caught up in who is actually delivering the plan, mm -hmm. but I think his intentions were pure to like really try to develop a plan. So he went to talk to Trump. I don't know if he talked to Biden and his team, uh, but like what, what happens when like, pol not political leaders, but like celebrities want to get involved in a political process. And then like the black community just drags them through the mud when it comes to like them, especially if they, they engage with somebody that they don't agree with, like Trump. So Trump was just that figure that if anybody met with him, they was like, yo, we are, you are banned from black America. I mean, it started with Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey was one of the ones that met with him. I think it was uh, in the beginning of when he was the president, there was a couple others, but let's talk about that Ice Cube thing. Like what, what was it that Ice Cube did that could have done differently? And what, what was that a problem? 
It was a big problem. Um, and okay. it wasn't a problem because he had bad intentions. Like the road to, to hell is paved in golden intentions. Yeah. Intentions aren't enough to impact change. You need direction. And I don't think that what he did was wrong. I think he was off directionally. And a lot of times celebrities, celebrities because of their status can come in, they can come into spaces and essentially silence people who put a lot of work in already. You know what I mean? And so it would be equivalent to, Josh, you're building a national technology organization and you're doing all this hard work with no resources. And some rich person comes in, overlooks everything that you've already done, uses their power and influence to kind of step on you and just kind of, you know, build out their own plan and go shopping around the candidates when their people already doing that. So what happens is you essentially just erase all the work that people have already been doing. And so that was the big, my biggest issue personally. Secondly, I felt like it wasn't the time to negotiate with them. Like the plan that he put out was something, was not something that was so different or so new that we've never seen. Like every presidential candidate has a version of that Ice Cube plan. Like that is not anything new. In fact, Ice Cube didn't sit down and write that plan. He did what everybody else does. He went to a national DC consultant. They sat down, they wrote out a plan with some points for him. He probably paid for it or somebody else paid for it. Yeah. And he put it out there. So the issue was not that he wanted to do something good or that he felt like, because I, I don't sub subscribe to what a lot of people were saying, like who entitles people to say Ice Cube can't have a voice. I feel like we all should have a plan. Yeah. Everybody should be like, look, this is what the Josh Mundy household wants from you. <laughs> right. What you going to do for my vote? Like we are not monolithic. So he's right. he has every right, just as much as everybody else to put out a plan. It was just because of his celebrity status. It put him on a level um, that essentially erased the work that had been happening before and it created another level of propaganda, so to speak, gotcha. because they took Ice Cube, just really good intention, trying to like hear what both sides, he didn't endorse Trump. He didn't come out and say, I support Trump. He just wanted to talk to whoever's in power that's going to give us something. And I commend mm -hmm. him for that. But what ended up happening is something that happens all the time that most political strategists are aware of. They took that and they spent that to try and peel off as many voters as they could based off of his celebrity status. And Got that's what him. happened to him. And so, and then it's like, if Trump were to win, there are two different parts of an election. You have the campaign and then you have the administration. So there are people that are working in Trump's or were working in Trump's administration and are working in Biden's administration that are the you know, they are the people who are making the decisions. They are the people who are being appointed. They are the commissioners. They're controlling budgets. They're making these, helping him make these decisions. Those were not the people who he was talking to. He was talking to the people that do the work that I do, that are the electoral strategists. They are the communications people. They are the political directors, the campaign managers. And those people, while most times those people transition over into those roles, it's not a guarantee. Right. Oh, it makes sense. Uh, so, so all right, Biden has won. Uh, how do we really get a black agenda passed? Okay, so you said uh, that every administration has somewhat of a black agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, we benefits on we benefit on some of the things that get passed that do you know benefit us. But what is it going to take for us to have? our issues black america not minority i don't want to because we you know we get caught up in that minority thing and women white women and everybody falls into that what is it going to take 
for the Biden, a Biden administration to take a black plan and something that's going to be passed to really support black people. What is that going to look like? And how do we start that process? So one civics one-on-one, okay. you know this. Yeah. Biden can't do it. Biden, it, the president is an executor of the law. We have to have some influence in the Senate and we have to have some influence in the House because those that's where laws are made. That's where the money comes from. The Senate, the Senate's main role is to control the budget, the, the federal budget. Yeah. And we have yet to see a black senator go to DC and actually, you know, do that. As a as a matter of fact, right now, we we lost a black Senate seat when Kamala Harris won. Yes. So now that's what I'm in Georgia for right now. I'm currently in Georgia because uh, Reverend Ward is trying to go to the Senate and we need that. Who replaces, who, who, who won her seat? So I've been, I'm kind of like, I'm not confused, but I'm kind of, you know, well, yeah, confused about how the process works okay. in um, her district. Because one thing that I've read is that the governor may have to appoint someone since her term isn't up, or it may be a special election to vote someone else in. So someone's going to have to either be appointed or run for Kamala seat. Okay. So that's a Senate vote that we're using. The court, the judiciary, the courts, the court, Trump packed the courts. You know what yeah, I mean? So it's probably going to be a cold, rainy day in hell before we can really push for reparations on a like systemic level through a agenda that we write down on a piece of paper. Let's just be real and call it what it is. Right. We don't have to write down what we need as a community and tell the people who destroyed our community how to repair it. They know exactly what to do. They, right. They're the reason we're in this position. They know what we need as a community. Do I think we need to name what we need? Of course, but there are several agendas already out there that we can just pull from. We can, you know, every the things that everybody say they want, people are pushing for, but we're not pushing for on a local, on a state level. And to be real with you, we, they're not going to just give it to us because we come with an agenda. We're going to have to organize, strategize, and take it. Like nobody's just gonna give us power. We're going to have, they didn't even give us our freedom. We had to take our freedom. Yeah, I love it. So from a, on a local level, what do you, what are some things that we can do and get engaged in? Uh, you know, I, I, we have listeners all over, but we're based in Nashville, Tennessee. So from a local level, what does that look like? And how do we get engaged more on a local level? Because, you know, I, I jump into politics, but I really don't fool with politics like that. Uh, you know, it's just a dirty game, but I'll, I'll invest. I'll give some money to some, some campaigns, but I want to stay out the way. But like, what does that look like on a local level? How do we galvanize on a local level? And then how does the Equity Alliance, I know you all have a 10, I want you to talk about that 10 year plan to turn Tennessee blue and, and that whole process as well. So I think the biggest thing that we as black people have to do is we have to move away from the noise. A lot of times the work, the real transformative political work does not happen on, on social media. Right. It's not the people that have a million likes. It's not <laughs> the people that are the loudest and that are always in the room. It's a very strategic, it's a numbers game. You're literally looking at how many people are likely to vote. It's probability. There's a lot of data that goes into political strategy that we don't see. And so I think what we have to do is one, we have to start looking at the news, reading your news, subscribing to different news channels, even the ones that you may or may not agree with. So that you can one, start to be more informed about what's happening on a local level. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
we really need to own our news because the news channels, even on a local level that we have right now, they're, they're just minimizing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't really cover the work that's happening. They cover the work that they want to cover. They cover the things that are going to get them ratings. They cover the things that are going to get people riled up mm-hmm. um, or they try to intentionally focus on being super hyper hippie local and they erase a whole lot of what the black movement is doing right now locally. So you have to get engaged. You got to subscribe to the Equity Alliance's email list. We're sending out information. There are tons of other organizations that you can subscribe to. Uh, the NAACP does very well with sending out information. Uh, you know, stay engaged that way. Because what we read, like social media, the propaganda propaganda this election was the biggest threat on the election. It was the prop. It wasn't just COVID. It was the propaganda. Yes. And go back, Josh. Think about history. Yeah. Think about every time we've seen movements dismantled, or we've seen people be extremely oppressed, or you know, we've seen people, massive people, be killed. The first thing that they do is they flood the streets with propaganda. Yep. You're right. You're right. Now, I I saw a whole lot. Uh, and we talking about propaganda. I saw a whole lot of people telling other black people they, they shouldn't vote. And I was confused by that. I'm like, all right, we're telling people not to vote, but that's where the decisions are made. So you you live in the you know, United States of America. So the game is played in politics. You know, politics controls every single thing. So why would you dis- distribute a message like that where we're then we're definitely not at the table and they can control everything. You can't just do whatever you want to do in the United States of America. Now, you know, white folks and, and white privilege allows them to do certain certain things, but at the end of the day, like why was that message being distributed so much? And it was coming from black men. I saw a lot. Black men confused me yeah, and <laughs> in I mean, this election cycle. Yeah. You know, it, it was like, a, it was either a spin on, you know, we don't need to vote because they ain't gonna save us anyway, which we understand that, but you still need to be a part of the process. We understand that no elected official is gonna save our communities. We have to lock arms and save it ourselves, but still you have to be a part of the process. Like why was so many black men pushing that message and really pushing a whole different like narrative that just confused me though? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know because <laughs> I don't push that message, but okay. I do know a lot of black people who are influencers that are leaders yes. that, have voice that were push- pushing that. And I think one is ignorance. You know, like they don't, they've never been engaged in the process to that point to really see how power is transformed through elections. So they just see it as, and and then I don't, I don't say ignorance in the sense of like looking down on them. I actually feel empathy for them. I feel compassion for them because all they know is what they wake up every day and do. And all they see is what they see in their communities. And so if you're waking up every day and you're seeing the same things happen day in and day out in your community, then of course you're going to feel like, why should I continue to fight for access or to push access in a system that has not done anything for us people black and black people i heard i saw this narrative which was crazy and it was a lot like we've been voting for 200 years no black people just got the right to vote in 1965 are y'all crazy right like the voting rights act literally some like my mom 
was born during the time where she wouldn't have been able to vote. Right. Like 65 is not that long ago. That's not even 50 years. Well, right. yeah, 50 years, so, but it's, it's barely. Barely, yeah. So it's like we like slavery lasted 400 years before we were free. Right. We only been voting for for 60 something since 65 and being able to actually vote. And then even after we got the right to vote, people were still not able to really vote the way they needed to because there were literacy tests, poll taxes, threats from the KKK, all of that stuff. So I think ignorance is the biggest thing. And then I also think that there's this voter apathy rejecting a system that I completely understand. Like, why would I want to keep voting or feel like we're being, we've been voting? See, that's the propaganda. You see what I mean? That is the propaganda. That is the psychological classical conditioning that Hitler used. Yeah. You beat people down. You make them feel like the things that could help them are against them. And and after a while, it'll, it'll ingrain in their mind and it'll be subconscious and they will re they will literally go out and find ways to justify the lie that you fed them and not even know where it came from. Right. Ding, ding, ding. That is an I'm Josh saying moment right there. You know, my word. I said this on Facebook, Josh. I was like, could you imagine how big Hitler would have been if he had social media? Hey, you know, social media is a, it's a necessary, it's a necessary evil, but it is bad, man. Cause like, that's how Trump won in 2016, social media and putting out messages. And I still don't understand why so many people vote against their best interests. And I mean, the Republican Party is, they have, it's it's just something else. I don't know what it is that they can convince poor white people that are on food stamps, that are on government assistance, that needs Obamacare to say, yo, we're going to vote with you knowing that these folks are going to take all your services away. I don't. I'm talking about that's some mental warfare that is just beyond me. I don't understand that at all. And and it it, it just doesn't make sense. And, and I think Donald Trump and, and, and really what Donald Trump has done, uh, uh, somebody put it on social media, but Donald Trump is like the king of marketing, okay? He knows how to take a message and get people behind that message and say the same thing over and over and over again. So when it comes to messaging and the Democratic Party, I feel like they have a messaging problem. I don't know who the marketing director is or who is responsible for telling the message, but let's really dive into this defund the police uh, because how Donald Trump has, again, marketing genius, how he has taken those words and made it seem like that this means that everybody's gonna be policing themselves. So now everybody that says defund the police, they already put that what Trump has said in their mind. So I think that's what President Obama was saying. It's been, I'm talking about highly, if if you've been on Twitter, on Facebook or anything, it is set the internet on fire because you know black folks we hold obama to high regard and people everybody listens to obama and so if obama says something that is kind of against what we feeling and this is the first time i've ever seen obama drag like this 
So let's talk about this, the fund of police and the messaging around it. Actually, what does it actually mean? Let's start there. Yeah, so I mean, I'm gonna be very honest with you. I am a black leader and I don't know what the hell it means. <laughs> I know what I think it means and nobody does. And we're all scared to say we don't because the people that are marketing it will like chop you down if you don't know it. But I'm like, so, you so have the black delegation of leaders, Josh, you have a ma you have a major voice in this city. Yeah. I have a voice in this city. Right. How many pastors understand what it means? How many, you know, regular regular people, party <laughs> promoters, like who really understands? I mean, for me personally, I don't necessarily care if I understand the complete meaning. I know it's something that people that work, I trust the activists that are leading in that area enough to say that these people have been dedicated to this cause for so long that if they're saying this is what's gonna help us push forward, I don't push against it because I don't like when people do me like that. So I try to extend that same level of grace and say, okay, if this is what we need to push for, then how do I support it? How do I get behind it? How do I educate myself on it? How do I educate more people on it? Like, what do we need to do to move forward? But hell, I'd I be scared to ask. <laughs> and I know I ain't the only person. <sighs> I, look, I, I, you know, it's really, that's what really concerns me. I think this move to have one thought yeah. concerns me big time because it's like, if somebody, if everybody's wearing black and somebody comes in with red, we are looking at that person with that red on like, no, this is not gonna work. And I feel like we cannot have all have the same opinions. Mm -hmm. We can agree to disagree and still love each other, okay? Yeah. We get to the point where we like, yo, you are totally banned from the whole black community because you thought something totally different than what it is. But what I've been researching and I'm thinking this is what defund the police is. I've heard is. several things, Josh. I've heard, uh, I have, I follow a lot of people that say it's reinvesting money from okay. the police budget to yeah. alternative means of, of um, restorative justice and yeah. mental health care and some things like that. Yeah. I get it. I'm a psychologist by training. Yeah. So I, I understand it. But then there are some people that are like, no, it means abolish the police. Like we don't yeah. want no more police. I'm for both of them. Cause I just, that's just me. I'm yeah. down for it. Yeah. But I can understand why that I understand because I do electoral organizing. I understand what Obama was saying. Yeah. What he was saying wasn't necessarily right. I feel like it, it, he should not have said that because of his influence. And because at the moment that we're in right now, black activists are calling for that. So yeah. even if you don't agree with it, like keep that shit to yourself yeah. because you now you just divided the community. Because sure there are people who, if you look on social media, there are some real radical people that are saying, I'm not for it. And yeah. there are some people that are saying like, it's a huge divide. Yeah. So how do we switch the? First of all, I think the Democratic Party needs a whole overhaul when it comes to messaging and marketing. Uh, and when it comes to really rallying up a base to get enthused about like voting, everybody came out and voted because like really, you know, I, I, I vote every time. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think the energy around Donald Trump was so divisive that people was like, no, nah, we we going backwards, you know, it felt like we was going backwards. So people got engaged and voted him out, but really wasn't excited about the Democratic ticket. So like who handles the grooming 
of the the up and coming. Like, I feel like we have the same legacy. You know, Nashville has legacy uh, folks as well. So you have, you know, the Gilmore girls and the loves and the same people that really stay within that political process and, you know, stay in it forever. And I feel like we're not grooming the next, who's next? Who are we grooming now for 2024, 2028, when it comes to mayor, when it comes to all these big positions, because I feel like we got caught slipping, got high off Obama. And then, you know, uh, I guess, I don't know who, uh, Hillary Clinton, you know what I'm saying? That's a legacy. So it's like, who are we grooming and who starts that process to start grooming somebody different? Because I feel like we got to have somebody different. If another old white man run, I'm going to just go lose my mind. Like, mm-hmm. where does that start, you know? So that's one of the main reasons why we started the Equity Alliance, to make voting lit, to make voting entertaining. Like if you notice, you don't see us organizing at stuffy events. We're not the black people that's like, you gotta be in army fatigue and you gotta be ready to burn down here. Like that's not us neither. We just say that you get to show up and be who you are. If yeah. you want to burn shit down, hey, we we fuck with you too. If yeah. you want to put on your suit and your tie and be suave, we you know we here for that too. So I think that's the whole reason why we started it because when Christian Bugs ran for school board, we realized like there was no way in for people. Like if you were a polit like us, we were political newcomers at that time. We didn't know nothing about politics. We were everyday people. And what ended up happening was we dove in head first and we learned about it, but we realized like there was literally no space for black people, not just to fit into a box of what it means to be black and political, but there was no space for black people, everyday black people like me to just show up and learn, talk, engage around politics. And we've created that space. Yeah, that's dope. So uh, let's talk about the Equity Alliance. So how long you all been going on? What do y'all have coming up? I know you're currently, uh, you're in Atlanta, Georgia right now, uh, helping out with the, I guess the Senate race. So uh, talk to us about what the Equity Alliance has coming up. How do people get engaged? Uh, when was it founded? Like, give us some back backdrop on the Equity Alliance. Okay, so I'll give you the real story because this is, I'm Josh saying, and I never talk about the real story. Please for me, for me I don't go this deep. But um, in 2014, my daughter, I was pregnant with my daughter when I. Uh, my daughter was two weeks old. Her dad was arrested on a parole violation. Um, the charges were dropped against him. Everything was thrown out. But because he was on parole, they pushed his sentence back into effect. So here I am with a two-week-old baby. I was not working at the time. I just completed my master's degree. And I was just like, you know, what the hell? My life is torn upside down. Um, I too have been, I was expelled from school. I was like, not really a bad kid, but just, you know, like, living in the hood coming from a certain background just it, it feels like it's so easy to get into stuff but it's hard to you know what I mean get out of the situation right right um but I was expelled from school my freshman year in high school I had so many run-ins which is why I've been arrested and all this stuff and so for me that was the point in my life where I just felt like my life was coming full circle my dad spent 26 years in prison and wow. so I was just like, all of this stuff is happening and I don't know where to start. So I started getting engaged. I literally volunteered with every organization you can name 
some people don't even remember me because I was just like, I just want to do something. And then Bugs came to me and was like, I've been thinking about this stuff that's happening at my school. I don't know what's going on. I got all these little black boys in here and the state just came in and took over our school. They're going to come in and redo everything and it's not there. So we started, and you know, Harold loves her uncle. So we started going up to the state capitol because I was like, okay, my, not only is it affecting my life in terms of just, you know, my upbringing and all of that, but now it's impacting my life as a grown woman. Like here I am with a whole child having to raise her on my own for a situation that was a misunderstanding that just pulled him back into the system. So I started researching. I read the whole parole handbook. I started like researching every person that was on the board. I was going up to sentence management. I was volunteering with this organization called Leaving the Cocoon and they go into prisons and do like, you know, different kinds of healing exercises and stuff. So I was just immersed in all of this stuff that was happening. And I kept, I shout out to John Little, I kept being led back to politics. And so at that time, Glenn Funk was on the ballot. And yeah. I was just like, I'm about to get engaged some kind of way. So I just jumped, I like literally just reached out to John Little and he was like, yeah, you can, you know, let's meet up. And John Little actually was the first person and people don't know this either because this was before Christian Bugs. John Little was actually the first person that really kind of like gave me some insight on how politics work. Yeah. And like, let me shadow him and wow. used to bring me around and invite me to stuff so that I started meeting people. And then I think a couple years later, or either that next year, Christian Bugs decided she was going to run. And so she knew that I had been really focused on this political stuff because she and I had both met with John Little a couple of times. Wow. So when I, um, when she said that, she was like, I just want you, you're a project manager. You, I want you to be my campaign manager. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I literally like read every Wellstone is a, a like pivot. Wellstone is what pivot is to technology for politics. Okay. So I literally did online Wellstone trainings, read every book I could read. Like I literally self-taught myself how to manage political campaigns, data, everything. And you wouldn't know that I didn't go like formally get the training. Yeah. So Fast forward, me and Bugs, Harold Love is bringing us up to the Capitol. Like, y'all need to sit in on meetings so you can hear how bills are made. You could see it. And my mind was blown. I was like, oh, yeah, I can't just keep on being out here. Like, not nothing is wrong with it because I do that now. But I was like, I've been volunteering, talking to the same 25 people in the same position for the last three years. Come on. How do we move them? Like, I'm all I'm all good to go hand out backpacks to kids, to go give out food boxes. But it hurts me to see that I'm consistently having to give to the same people, not because they did something wrong, but because the system keeps them in that position. I don't want to just give you a food box. I don't want to just give you a backpack. I don't want to just give you my time in prison. I want to like give you something while you in need, but then move you out of that space. Come on, ding, 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 ding. That is an I'm Josh saying moment. That is an I'm Josh saying moment. I like that. Back, say that again, say that one more time. So that's why you see on our logo with the Equity Alliance, as you can see, it's like a, it's like a stair step. Yes. Because it's like, we all start at the bottom. Most of the time we starting at the bottom, but how do we move up? How do we move up and out of our situations? How do we move up and out of our current existing predicament? And that's not, I didn't want to start an organization to just be like, I'm here, I got you, but like, I'm here, I got you. Now let's move, let's, let's push forward. So through all of that, 
we sat down, me and Charlene, I didn't know Charlene. Charlene was feeling the same thing, working at Williamson County Chamber of Commerce. She went online and saw Bugs was running and was like, I got to do something. What am I going to do? I'm going to donate my time and be this girl's communications director. And she was the communications director at the Williamson Chamber. We met Mariah. We met Verlinda because Verlinda was helping us to raise, fundraise and raise money and get connected. Uh, and we just all came together and we sat down one day at Chili's and was like, all right, y'all, what are we going to do? And because Charlene and Verlinda at that time were in the chamber, all they kept saying was like, we got to start a pack, man. That's how these candidates get elected. They just got these packs and they just put millions of dollars in it. Where is the black pack? Yeah. So we were like, yeah, we got to start a pack. But me and Bugs had been spending time on her campaign out in the community knocking on doors. And one of the things, and this goes back to Obama's statement too, a lot of people, if you have never done electoral organizing, and I don't mean just I'm on Facebook talking, I mean, have you drawn out a campaign plan? Have you implemented it? Have you actually done it and got people elected? If you've never really effectively done that, then what Obama said seems like which again, I'm not in agreement with him because he shouldn't have said that it was the wrong time, Obama. We in the middle of a Black Lives Matter war and you're going to come out and just, you know, invalidate mm -hmm. everything because you know how Obama, everybody listens to Obama. Everybody. But I understood where he was coming from, which is another reason why we had the Equity Alliance. Right. So it just, it, it grew overnight. Like we each put in $250. At that time, I was on food stamps. I was a single mom. Alone. I remember, I remember I was making like $32,000 a year and I was, cause I, I had just got my master's degree. I had left my job, my corporate job to go get my master's degree and was planning to go into this doctoral program in Georgia. But that, you know, you know, how you, boy, I'm telling you, I'm getting emotional, Josh. I'm Come Josh. On. So I didn't even have the $250. Wow. So I remember that and I just, we just worked our ass off. Like we said that we didn't want to subscribe to this narrative that being black and doing work for black people has to be done in some experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. Which is why I never really tell my story for real because when people see me, I don't want them to see me as I'm from the hood and I'm, yeah. I live through all this trauma and all of this stuff. Like black excellence is a real thing and we need to force white people to normalize black excellence, yeah, black right. wealth, black love, black families. And so yeah. we, sometimes people like y'all, like y'all are the polished group or y'all really black. We like, yes, we black. Yeah. And the fact that we black and we got our shit together and because we got our stuff together and we polished and our website is up and you assume that white people did it. Right. <laughs> Uh, you know, and that's a whole nother podcast on a whole nother day. Uh, I actually, I had to address that on, uh, so I did this diversity and inclusion thing with the business journal here in town. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had to address that because <clears throat> a guy was saying something about, you know, he had to change his conversation. Uh, you know, when they hire diverse talent, then he has to change his conversation. He can't talk about his ski trip. And I said, what? I'm like, you don't got to change your conversation, man. We ain't low budget. Like, I well, think their mindsets of how black people are are just kind of so messed up that they don't understand that we we do dope shit too. Like, you right. know, we we go to the vineyards, we go to skiing, we do all that stuff too. Like, we ain't all in the ghetto. Like, we we make money too. Like, we know how to get down. So, like, really, being that you all are, you all are representing 
the culture very well. You all are doing so many amazing things in the community. And I just like to just commend you. Uh, I've been watching you all's work uh, for the longest and I've seen you all like just drastic. I watched the come up, okay? Uh, from where you all started to where you all are today, you all are a super respected organization. And everybody is like, no, what is the Equity Alliance saying? <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying like, it don't matter what issues in the city, everybody wanna hear what is the Equity Alliance saying about this, that, oh, he said that? Okay, oh. what the equity, what's the Equity Alliance response? You know what I mean? It's like- Josh saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just really, uh, just really wanted to give you all your, your flowers because y'all are doing amazing work and continue to do the great work. So I wanna, how do people get involved? How do they give to the Equity Alliance? Because Equity Alliance is a 501c3. Uh, mm -hmm. So I know if you all are looking for end of the year tax write-offs, this is the time. Mm -hmm. uh, they just did a uh, uh, Giving Tuesday. So you can still give and make not just a one-time contribution, but a monthly contribution to their work uh, to really moving the needle forward when it comes to uh, black work and politics and really just black excellence in general. So how do they can get connected to you? And also, how do they get connected to the Equity Alliance? So um, you can follow us on all social media platforms at the Equity Alliance. It's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram, and TikTok. We got a TikTok now. Okay, Shout awesome. out to the culture. Yeah. Um, and you, if you are interested, which I hope you will be interested, because that's that brings up another thing. Money is the mother's milk of politics, which yeah. is another reason why it's hard. When you're saying why we ain't got no black man running for president or running for mayor, because even to run for senate, you got to raise a million dollars. So you know anything you do in this space, it has to be very well funded. If you're fighting against a very well funded system. But you can go to our website at www.theequityalliance.org. Um, sign up to take our Pledge 21 Challenge. We're asking everybody to donate $21 a month. Yes. For the year 2021, you know, just $21 a month. And that's going to help us build out our uh, civic engagement and organizing training program that we're looking to roll out very soon. We, we rolled out the Black Citizenship in Action last year, and that was a piloted study to see how well uh, Tennessee, because we're statewide also, um, Tennessee will respond and the response rate was amazing. So we're looking to ramp that up 2.0. We got some real big stuff coming down the pipeline in 2021. Awesome. Uh, so be be on the lookout, man. We we doing big things, man. We doing awesome. big things, man. Well, man, thank you so very much for joining uh, the I'm Josh Sam podcast. Make sure you all tap in with the Equity Alliance, tap in with Tequila Johnson. She is a political strategist as well. She has a consulting firm. So if you're thinking about politics, you're Hello. thinking about being involved in your community or getting involved wherever you are across the world, she works across the world. She's global. She has a global, global. I firm. can't believe I can say uh, that. Yeah. So make sure you all tap in because we do have to get more African-American people, especially black men engaged in politics and running for your uh, school board and your uh, district councilman and things of that nature. So we have to get involved and we got to tap in. So thank y'all so very much for tuning in. God bless. We out. I'm Josh